You're listening to the Mormon Artist Podcast, a podcast covering the world of Mormon arts and examining the intersection between faith and creativity. Welcome to the Mormon Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Morris McKell. Today we have joining us Laura Allred Hurtado, Glenn Nelson, and Rita Wright. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Catherine. Laura is the Global Acquisitions Art Curator for the Church History Department. Glenn is the founder and director of the Mormon Artist Group, and Rita is the director of the Springville Museum of Art. Um, and the topic for today's podcast, um, the purpose is to give a retrospective of the churches, the LES Church's 10th International Art Competition and Exhibit, which ran from um, September 2015 and just ended um, in on the 13th of August 2016. So it just ended. And I just thought it would be valuable to kind of talk about um, how what that competition and exhibit might mean for the Mormon visual arts. We can kind of look back on it and talk about that. Um, So I thought it'd be useful to just give a a brief recap. Well, brief, I know it was a very long process, but kind of a recap of... um, of what the during process was like. Laura, um, now you were the director for the competition, is that correct? Um, so I, I was um, the curator and the jury foreman was sort of my official title, but um, I, I helped manage the exhibition and helped select the, the, the jury. Um, and that was a process that included, was in conjunction with the museum director and um, and the exhibition staff um, that, were, that were working on the show. Um, we also set the rubric, and when we wrote the rubric, um, like the jurying criteria, we worked with uh, the jury themselves to, to hear their feedback as we formed and shaped the criteria in which we would judge the work. Okay. Um, and so Rita and Glenn were two of five of the jurors um, for the competition. Um, yeah, that's yeah. right. The other, the other three were, um, was Suchi Murray. Uh, she's a, a Taiwanese convert and uh, one of the pioneers, uh, pioneering founders of the Chinese ward uh, in Irvine, California. Um, and uh, Campbell Gray, uh, the director of the Queensland uh, Museum of Art um, at the University of Queensland um, in Australia. And... Um, and Laura Durham, I, I actually can't quite remember her exact title, but she works with the Division of Arts and Museums for the state. Okay, great. Um, so I was hoping you could give just a little bit of a recap about, um, you know, what during the show kind of entailed. Um, I thought maybe Laura could do that. Sure, um, um, and it may, it may be better for, uh, for, for Rita and Glenn to, to respond to this question since they themselves were the jurors, but mm-hmm. um, we we had a two-stage um, jury process, so the first one was online, and um, and th- that sampling was quite large. There was um, you know, 942 works. Um, then we narrowed it down to about 250 that came in for the second round jury process, and that was done in person. Um, so we flew Campbell out and, and Glenn and, and um, Suchi and, and spent two days talking about art. All right, and so... And Catherine, if uh, I can say, it's, it's yeah. a bit challenging to have the digital portion of that because these works of art are magnificent and to really get the impact you want to see them in life. And so when there are this many, it kind of compels us to have to do a first overview by just looking at digital images. But I think we were all very aware at the time that you lose so much when you do that. But just for facilitating the whole operation, sometimes that has to be done. There were over 900, Laura, is that right? There's 942, and 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 you're right, Rita. You do lose things in in you know looking at it through the uh, you know through the medium it's not made in. 
Um, and, and yet it's actually pretty standard practice for juried shows of this scale to be to have that initial pass done online. And I think as the jurors all recognized that, we were trying to be aware of what what the work and the medium would look like. You know, it takes it takes a little bit of effort and imagination on the juror part to do that so that you give the piece the, the valued viewing that it would if it were in front of you. And it's it's really just something that we have to deal with in the art world now where we're having so many more people enter shows and they're just, there are so many great, so many great pieces to review, and that's just physically almost impossible. Mm-hmm. I think, in hindsight, for me, some of the works that I passed on um, in the first go around, I probably would have given a second look at in person. But you know, when you look at an image on a computer screen, everything is flattened, and the and the colors are uh, twisted around a tiny bit, depending on how your computer mm-hmm. uh, resolution works. And there's also this trouble with the scale of it. Sometimes when we saw the works in real life, um, it was almost disappointing because they had looked so vibrant on a <laughs> computer screen. Hmm. And, uh, and, and, then it, and of course, it works the opposite way as well. Mm-hmm. So you looked at those online submissions, and they had the artist statements with them. Um, and they were all translated in English. I believe they were from, you had submissions from 40 countries. Um, that's correct. Yeah, and um, and then you asked to see to see about two hundred of those works in person. I believe it was about two hundred and fifty. Oh, two hundred fifty, and then um, and then you ended up. It, it may have been two hundred. To tell you the truth, it's been a while, so I, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> and then you ended up with about uh, ninety-seven for the um, the exhibit. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think it worked out to be ninety-eight. 98? Okay. Yeah. Um, and as I recall, um, I know that just as you were completing um, the jurying, you did a panel discussion at the BYU Museum of Art that I attended um, and actually recorded and, and listened to recently. Um, but I believe that you said there were about seven pieces that were given unanimous votes. There was a, there were a, lot, there was a lot of diversity of opinions and um during the show um and then i I think that's um, one of the exciting things about having a variety of jurors we had five many salons and and shows like this don't have quite that many but that was part of the fun that we had such diversity within the jurying uh, core and then to match that up with the kind of diversity in medium and style and subject matter really made for a dynamic, engaging opportunity for us as jurors. I think we had as much fun getting together and talking about the art as uh, many of the people that came to view it. We just really got into both sharing our ideas and thoughts and then encountering the work and talking about those. So it was a very dynamic process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got that idea from listening to the panel discussion right after you guys were coming coming off of um, during the during the show. There seemed to be, it seemed like there was some lively lively discussion. I actually wanted to go ahead and jump into to that. Um, so when you were during the show and you saw much more work than we actually actually those of us who visited the exhibit saw. Um, so looking at the final exhibit and then the works that were submitted, um, I mean, what were some of the discussions that occurred among the jurists while viewing the work? Um, well, I'll, I'll tackle that a little bit. So, so the process that we had, Laura was in the room, but it really was just the five jurors going through every single work and talking about them, um, both the pros and cons of them. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it, it wasn't a snarky conversation. There was someone uh, inevitably who took uh, the positive side of it, and then someone else who made us, you know, tried to make a case, you know, if if the work should not be included. So, and that was sort of the sense to kind of maintain the integrity of the exhibition itself, right? So you you want to have work that's of a certain quality. Mm-hmm. And so as we went through, it, this was a painstaking process, and we talked about 
every work for, I mean, a considerable amount of time. It wasn't just a thumbs up or a thumbs down conversation. And what I found as people were talking about it is some of my initial um, reactions were uh, enlightened by their expertise. And in a couple of cases, I really became a big fan of some works that at first I hadn't really got, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting. And I think also what was interesting was, you know, the, the, actually the very first day of jurying, what we did was um, it was it was silent. Because um, if we went through and talked about every piece, um, it, it would have taken a while. But there were some... There was some consensus forming. So every piece that got three, uh, I, I believe it was three votes or more, made it into the show. And what we talked about were um, were the pieces that that were in this sort of gray range of two votes. Um, and that's where we had the discussion. So the ones that, that only got one were clearly out, and the ones that you know, about five or, or four were clearly in. And I, I, I can't remember, and again, you know, I probably should uh, double-check the notes, but it was either the ones that had two or three votes, but I, I, I think I remember correctly, it was those that had two that we spent time talking about. And really, um, you know, again, you know, like Glenn said, there was always an advocate for the work and then a dissenter, and, and that led to just some really rich conversations about um, sometimes just about technique or about skill, and sometimes about messaging or about um, methodology. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it sounds like a very, a very dynamic process. That's interesting. Um, so I'd like to kind of maybe talk about some of the larger themes, and then we can use examples of some of the pieces um, and and focus on some of those. Um, but just kind of while you were during the during the show and you saw all of these works um, from from artists and I I should mention that there were uh, requirements for submission um, so um, each of the artists uh, had to have a church membership number um, and they had to relate their work to the theme which was tell me the stories of Jesus and the work had to be completed within uh, three years prior to submitting it. Um, um, So those are kind of the parameters of the show, um, which means that there may have been some artists, you know, within the Mormon visual arts community that may not have submitted a work because maybe they didn't have something, you know, already prepared or were working on other things, but but you do have a there were there were quite a few submissions and and you do have um, a decent um, number of of artists represented. Um, so what were some of your impressions about themes and just kind of what's going on with um, with Mormon art today? And I I mean I guess in particular you know you're going to have to the parameters were the theme tell me the stories of Jesus and so a lot of it is going to be focused on um, you know that particular topic so there might be some limitations about how far you know you can make comments about Mormon art in general but within that working within that theme you know what were some of the thoughts and impressions you had about Mormon art and Mormon artists today? Well I'll, I'll take a first stab at it and then the, the smarter ladies will you know correct me and fix it. Um, I think there's a lot of danger in looking at a show like this and extrapolating generalizations about what's going on in Mormon art, because this, the exhibition itself is a very specific entity. Mm-hmm. It's in a place where it's across the street from Temple Square. It's going to be seen in the context of being a very um, uh, theme-driven show. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think there are a lot of artists who, who wanted to participate and and figured out a way to make the theme work for them. But I think there were also a number of people who have talked with me after the fact who have said that they would have loved to participate, but that they just weren't working in a, in a vein that really um, fit in well with the theme of Tell Me the Stories of Jesus. But my experience when I looked at all of the, all of the works, what I, was, what I was seeing is that there was quite a lot of... Um, unusual discourse that I hadn't anticipated in materials 
and their engagement in various themes that I wouldn't have necessarily thought um, as being a Mormon quote-unquote theme um, in the sense that it's enzyme illustration ready. So there's some other things like that. And, and, I, and I applauded those artists who were taking uh, the time to, to submit something even though they knew that it wasn't necessarily the kind of thing that typically appears in a church exhibition. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I think that's part of, yeah, I think that's part of the excitement of it is that we don't want this particular competition to just reflect the works that would go well in the ensign. When we look at how the works are used, uh, Laura and I have talked about this as well, that there are some things that you can show in a museum and that lend themselves to interpretation. There are other things that you may say uh, work well in a temple for a more devotional, thoughtful purpose. But the exciting thing to me was that there are LDS artists working, like Glenn said, across media styles. They're looking at different concepts, different aspects of the gospel, and they're trying to both have that relate to their own experience, but to the viewers. And we don't want the viewers to come to a a competition, an exhibition like this, and just see what they see in church media, other church media and magazines. We want them to be able to feel a bit challenged. Visual art is exciting. It's a language of, it's a symbolic language, and we want them to be able to engage in ways that don't necessarily represent just Wasatch Mountain images of Jesus or that mentality, but they really start to reflect a more global aspect of internalization of different aspects of the gospel. Thanks, Rita. Yeah. You said that so much better than I could. You should be a, like a museum director or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. Oh, I'll try it. <laughs> well, and I, I wanted to just add to what to what Rita and Glenn were saying, that, that I, I agree that, that it's difficult to um, to take from the show and say this is clearly a pulse of what's happening in Mormon art. I think it's a sampling, um, um, but but that that sampling with all samplings and with all juried shows is 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 limited to to those who applied and and um, you know those who felt their work fit within the theme. Um, but I do think that there was there was um, a lot of of really strong pieces that that got in the show and, and I was really happy with um, you know, in particular like um Jason Metcalf's work, um, um, I thought was a real departure from work that we um we, you know, it's not enzynable. <laughs> if that's not a word, right? But it it's not it's not work that, that will show up in the enzyme, in part because I think it, it falls flat in reproductive images of it. It's something mm-hmm. people have to experience. Could you describe um, that one briefly? I'm sorry? Could you describe, describe that one briefly? Sure, yeah. Um, so it's a, 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 a square a piece of gold, pure gold, um, and it casts a shadow um, when a light is shined on it that looks like a pillar, a pillar of gold, a pillar of Kind of fiery cold, um, and and within the context of tell me the stories of Jesus, he made reference to Christ appearing in the Kirtland Temple, and um, and it equated that with this shaft of, of gold, and and I think conceptually and visually it's it's very strong and and it's it's really powerful in, in the things that you sort of put there or communicate within that space or within that light and the way that it's activated with the light is 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 really meaningful. Um, and and it's a it's it's a great departure from um, from work that you would see in the enzyme. Um, I don't think it's really a magazine type piece. Um, and it's also a departure from work you would see at the temple, which is largely uh, decorative. Um, and not part of the worship ceremony, not not part of of the experience. It more is sort of in the periphery of your vision, even. You know, with that specific piece, I had a different experience with it because I saw that work in New York in a gallery, uh, Martel's Gallery downtown, 
and the gallery is quite small, and it has it's, it's a pretty raw space with just concrete floor and kind of a rough wall. And that 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 piece, uh, the the gold part of it is you know maybe a foot square or so. It's like a tile. It's gold, and um, and the entire exhibition was based on artwork in Temple Square, in the visitor center specifically. And um, here was this this very Mormon work, to my mind, because it was it was just steeped in Salt Lake City and the church culture. And um, and so I, I found it very moving when I saw it in New York. Then when he decided to uh, put that in, uh, submit that to the show, it had a more re- it had a more refined sense. The way it was displayed in the um, exhibition was to put it on a little pedestal and have the light shone to shine kind of right directly on it, which caused that gold spray right behind it in a very elegant thing. Actually, I, I disagree with Laura. I think it photographs great. And when mm-hmm. I saw the exhibition, I saw it uh, you know, three times, I think. Every time I saw it, and it just had so much power mm-hmm. compared to uh, the paintings around it. And I, for one, think that kind of work would be fantastic in a temple because it has all of this symbolism, and that's the place where one goes to really immerse oneself in symbolism. Yeah, I, it's it's a stunning piece, um, but it is it is one that um, maybe is a little more experiential. Like you kind of, I think I mean I think it does photograph pretty well, but I but to get that full impact of the light and also it's very tall and so it invites you to look up um, in the space that you're in that you're viewing it in, um, yeah. and so it it would um, for sure be kind of a a different um, piece than typically you see paintings in temples. I d- yeah. and um, I mean, if I could add something, you know, you had meant you had asked a couple of minutes ago about um, what this exhibition says about Mormon art. I think it's it's a, a competition is its own kind of animal, mm-hmm. which is different than a survey show. So let's imagine a different kind of show altogether. Let's just say that Laura had an unlimited budget in the uh-huh. church uh, museum, and she could go all over the world and do hundreds and hundreds of studio visits and curate a show of her own choosing of works done by contemporary Mormon artists. I think that show would be dynamite. But the logistics of that are pretty tough. Mm-hmm. So this competition thing, it, just, it, it works well because, because otherwise in a global church, the logistics of getting all that artwork uh, to one place would otherwise be really, really challenging. But you can imagine, though, from a thematic sense, if you had a single person going all over the world and finding work, that's when you would be able to say a little more clearly of what's going on in the church today with the art. Sure, yeah. Um, Glenn, if you want to fund that, I'm happy to to take on that. (laughs) I was just going to say that sounds a little bit like a pitch, actually. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, the, I mean, the 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 Sackler Center in the Brooklyn Museum did did a show called Global Feminisms that was essentially that, like where uh, Maura Riley traveled the globe, attending different art festivals to respond to that call of of that there are multiple uh, versions of feminism, and and I think I think that that. That idea that there's multiplicity in 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 a singular religion or a singular school of thought is is not individual to Mormonism, and and I think um, I think it's tricky because a lot of the tastemakers do come from in, from Salt Lake City, and and that that narrows um, the the visual discourse that's out there, um, and I think work you know projects that uh, that Glenn does, and and even Rita, your the, the spiritual show that you do um, helps to to widen that that conversation. And I think I think widening that conversation actually just adds to the richness and the variety of of, of what is truly out there. And I I think I worked as well on the Ninth International Competition, and uh, I did not completely curate curate that. There were other uh, curators involved who had been there and been part of the international competition for many years. 
But the thing that that keeps coming back to me, I don't know what the answers are. Laura and I have spoken about it, some of the other Church History Museum staff members. What happens is when you get a competition like this, you invite members of the Church from around the world to send their works to this center place. And so to keep their efforts pure and what in their mind they are contributing uh, is is a little bit tricky because there used to be more of a feeling that there was, maybe I can call it unfairly, but it was sort of a quota. And that if you had works from different places around the world, you wanted to give them the chance to show and to get the recognition. And so your jurying rubric or even your general ideas shifted just a bit to be more inclusive of more of the global areas of the church. Well, there are times that some some of these members just don't have access to art lessons or they get caught up in this Utah taste-making mentality and they're trying to create things that they think might play well here. And so it's hard to say, no, we want to see from your cultural embedded, culturally embedded position the art that's created and to recognize that they may not have access to some of the more sophisticated trainings and opportunities. And is there a place for that work? Yes, there is. We love to see it. We love to see it sometimes just for its simplicity, its purity, its authenticity. But that's when Laura was very careful as she created with all of us the rubric by which we were examining these works. And those are really sometimes two different things, to approach works for their technical and conceptual clarity and ability, and to acknowledge that there are people around the church and around the world creating works of art within their own cultural context that we need to appreciate for what it is. But it it, uh, may not be to a standard, even in their own country, of those kinds of technical and conceptual developments. And it's really hard to see something from Mongolia that you think this person created with sincerity and effort and wanted to get it to Salt Lake. And you want to acknowledge that offering. And many times the stories come of their spiritual struggle to get this created, or it fulfills a really strong personal need. And yet the responsibility of the jurors and this team was to still stick with this as an art competition and be able to apply some kind of jurying rubric to glean those works. Uh, it's, it's a very challenging thing to do to be able to kind of serve those two masters, the one of inclusivity and the one of more technical merit. And yet there were, as we said, there were several works that we all agreed on, no matter where they were from, what style, what medium, that we all kind of recognized as conveying that message and of being appropriate for our our audience here. I think that this exhibition was a little light on international artists compared to the last Mm -hmm. couple of exhibitions. And I don't think it was really a reflection on uh, the jurying process. I think we just simply received fewer submissions internationally this time. Maybe, um, yeah, maybe it was both. Yeah, I, I actually think we we did uh, receive statistically the, uh, a proportionate number. <laughs> How do I say this? So I think we received about 15% of our submissions were international. So already there's it's going to just be biased towards the United States if you have only 15 submissions coming internationally. What ended up in the show is about 10% yeah. um, of the show equaled international. So is it fair to truly call it an international exhibition? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, and I think that's I mean, a that's really good good opportunity for you and the staff at Church History as you move forward to say, yeah, where where do we want to go with this? Is it international? Is it really, do we, do we need to get that word out there more? Or is there another shape, direction, something innovative to do with this that would address some of those issues? Well, and I think sometimes this this 
um, uh, speaks to, to a point that was brought up earlier. You know, there's, we're, we're a church, right, first and foremost. And so, you know, on, on one hand, we have these great goals to just how do we, you know, how do we put together this killer, amazing show and, um, and really do all these studio visits that, that should be done and that should be truly archived and, and um, collected. And, and then, you know, then you're weighing that against the budgets of, well, do we pay to buy, build a new temple? And, and you know, <laughs> and what are the goals of the temple versus what are the goals of this? And, and it, so it becomes a sort of push and pull um, issue. And, and then I think, you know, uh, I, I think there's, in some regards, um, it becomes a little tricky because there's a lot of sincerity in the submissions. You know, people are putting their faith in these submissions, and 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 yet the work is not good. And and so how do you how do you balance that? You know, when you're getting a letter from the church saying thank you, no thank you. Um, you know, the implication of it being a competition in itself. In, in some regards, I think. Um, institution complicates it yeah I think quality issues aside if that's possible um, the thing that struck me the most about the entire process of finding works is I would look at these things and imagine the person making them and they came from such a place of devotion and such a place of love and wanting to be part of this community um, and so even if I didn't respond to the works um, well, in an artistic sense, I found them all very touching to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I agree. Really, you could feel the devotion from them. I think. Right, and I think we. This is one thing I I would say, Catherine, as jurors, that we did talk about that, which doesn't happen. I've since we juried the show. I've juried five other shows, and so um, the conversations would. <laughs> it was just a lot of, you know, being asked kind of thing. And I think that's what is unique about this show is that we were able to, to make those kinds of conversations part of, of the larger conversation and um, an opportunity to acknowledge individual devotion and desire of these artists to even be willing to put their work forward to say, I would love to have my work represented in this competition. And so that was really nice that I think um, almost all of the jurors of one, or were of one mind in that, that we did want to acknowledge these members who had been willing to contribute and get their work there and get it framed and get it ready for hanging and all of those things that, that we did receive that in itself as an act of, of willingness and devotion and you don't always get to when you're jurying shows that is not even part of the conversation and I appreciated that opportunity and in this particular show to be able to acknowledge those individuals like Laura said and Glenn that there were individuals behind these works with varying levels of of testimony and strength and desire to share their personal experience with others and it was just nice to be in a position to be able to acknowledge that as we went forward with the different, you know, rounds, levels of the competition viewing. Well, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that um, perspective. Well, we've talked a lot about the parameters, and I, I, mean, I think it's interesting with, with every exhibit and um, you, you have certain parameters and, and tensions within those, you know, deciding how you're going to look at those works. So I, I appreciate knowing that and understanding that process. I, I'd like to actually start getting into, into some of the works. And what I'd like to do is kind of um, get the perspective, you know, your perspective looking at, at those works. Um, so if we could talk about some specific, specific ones, um, if we could talk about some specific works and just kind of um, maybe touch on both of those aspects that we talked about, that kind of appreciation of um, the the devotion um, and faith that went into it, and then also, um, you know, what what you're experiencing looking at it um, from your, your back, background, uh, you know, as an art critic, curator, scholar. 
Um, so why don't we start with, with Rita? Um, I, as we had talked, I started going through the works again and I'd go, oh, I would love to talk about this one. Oh, wait, there was something interesting <sighs> about that one. And to me, that is evidence of what Glenn said, that we did spend time with these works. We didn't just walk by them and address them quickly. There was one that stood out to me, and it ended up being an, a Merit Award winner, but I, it just resonated with me. It was big, It was a very large piece, and uh, Laura, I would hope that next time on these descriptions, we can maybe put a size and give a sense of just, you know, it's a comparative on these, but it was a work called The Kingdom of Heaven by Lisa Aaron Collette, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a mother sitting down with her three little children. And there are some very interesting, she's building on some earlier precedents of of some photography, some other painted images. But so she's got the children kneeling on her lap as if for bedtime. And on the children's clothing is reflected different uh, disciples also praying. But in the background, we have a pelican, an elephant, and this, you know, the little bird and the lamp at night. But it all culminates in this swirling, sliding, flowing image of Jesus ascending. And there's a real power there that goes from the earthly, from our earthly devotions and our earthly, you know, gathering our little ones around us and the animals of the earth and that magnificent, that it is all connected. And it is all about Jesus Christ, our thoughts, our deeds, our actions. Everything is in and through him. So both the size of the work calls attention to it, but that tying together of heaven and earth and those simple daily things that we do are very glorious in the sight of God. And that was one that just right from the beginning touched me. And yes, every time we went around, I thought, do I like this? Do I not like this? What about this is, uh, am I connecting to? And when I pulled the images up again, it just, it struck me that there is so much to it. What could just look like another Jesus floating in heaven image really has some powerful conceptual devices included of Yes, all things, all things bear witness to him, even in the simplest of our daily actions and in the beasts of the field. Um, so what were some of the um, artistic merits of the piece, would you say? I think one of the things I loved is that she was uh, using a variety. It was mixed media, which always is to me a little engaging. I just, I love the texturing. I love that experimental idea, but also that she was using other references, that it was well thought out, that she knew some traditional art historical devices, that that uh, I, I just thought that it engaged me because it could have seemed like a very ho-hum traditional kind of painting. I have a painting in my museum that is the favorite, and it's the mother with her two children, kind of the angel, domestic angel. And uh, I love that this piece left a little bit of that particular iconic look, mixed it up a bit, challenged us with making some sense of something that wasn't readily so familiar. All right. Um, Glenn, is there a piece you'd like to talk about? All right. So, I, I mean, uh, I, I, in advance, I know I'm not going to speak as well uh, as you just heard. But, okay, here's mine. So, Emily Dyer Barker did a work called Extravagant or Credo. And uh, most of the works in the exhibition, the vast majority of them were paintings. There were also a number of works that were um, prints, so etchings, and this one was a work for letterpress, print, and paper. Basically, it's an accordion-fold book, and it's quite extraordinary. It has these 12 little windows, and they're sort of slots, if you can imagine, like a, a loose-leaf binder. And inside each of these slots, um, there was basically a, a story of Jesus, and it had text on it, that was a, a brief thing that was either scriptural or or just kind of an explanation. And then the other side of it, 
had this sort of abstracted image that looked kind of like an organic thing, like you were looking under a microscope to see the, the essence of something. And together, the book, you know, if you, if you can kind of imagine an accordion fold book all stacked together, made a little book. And when it was displayed, it was under glass for obvious reasons. But we had the option and the opportunity as jurors to go through that book and take out every one of these little sheets and read them and examine the texture of them. Letterpress is all about feel because it's essentially a 3D thing when you're pressing images and text into into paper with ink. So I responded to it because I love uh, going to this place called the Center for Book Arts mm-hmm. in my neighborhood, and it uh, it's a place where where bookbinders and paper artists display their work. I responded to the work because it reminded me of my own bad attempts at letterpress and my <laughs> love of the Savior and these 12 stories of the gospel all put together in this beautifully organized way that really captured to me what the, the stories of Tell Me the Stories of Jesus was about. Sure. Uh, just from a technical standpoint, it was spectacular. It was peerless. There were some other works uh, that were submitted, and you could just, you know, side by side see it was like a teacher's version and a student's version. And this, this uh, Emily Dyer Barker's work was just very clean. But it was more than that. I find what Rita said in her recent uh, comment really interesting. The people like artworks for lots of different reasons. So if they, if they respond to a maternal image because they imagine their connection with maternity, right? So mm-hmm. one of the reasons that art works is, is this idea of engagement. So I felt immediately engaged here. I wanted to look at every single thing, and it was impossible for me to, to pass by quickly. And that's how, that's what, on the simplest level, that's how I use my, my art meter. If I can walk by something without even looking at it, 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 it's just not speaking to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very well put. I like that. Yeah, I, I remember both of those pieces, and um, they both uh, won awards. I believe the... Um, the... The one that... Oh, the Kingdom of Heaven, that one won a Merit Award, and then... Um, extravagant or credo that one uh won a purchase award so that's been acquired into the church's permanent collection laura can you explain the difference between these awards what does that mean merit and purchase yeah so um artists couldn't get a purchase award and a merit award um so so the highest award i i believe is the purchase award um, in the case with the, the Dyer work, it was selected for both, and um, and the the merit award value was higher than the purchase price, so we gave her the merit award value and gave her a purchase award. Um, but uh, so a purchase award means that we buy the work and it enters our collection, and then a merit award is just an acknowledgement, and then they get a, a you know monetary you know. Um, they get some money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and then the same the same thing goes for the visitors' choice. They it's just an acknowledgement, and they get a little bit of money. Okay. And if I can do a little shameless plug here, <laughs> we have so many artists who are trying and growing enter these shows, and really the awards are in a way, and they're not generally you know exorbitant amounts. But what it is, is I think for the artist, it kind of reassures them that they are a professional mm-hmm. and that we want to acknowledge our artists as professionals. That's one thing. And, and in our community, in, in the state of Utah, of course, Glenn lives where where a lot, there's much made of art and it's seen of great value. I think sometimes, however, our artists are kind of marginalized and we say, oh, well, they're artists, but they have their day job. And 
we're seeing a lot of these artists who are trying to live by their art, who are trying to support their families and are moving, you know, pushing that game a little harder to really try to create and make and do things that not only bless lives and touch hearts, but that actually are they are able to do and spend the time professionally. And what I'm seeing, and as I talked with many of these artists, the, you know, the evening of the different events, and I've been back several times, and people ask questions. I love that we are starting to see a professional group of artists who are really trying to do what it takes to make a living, to enter these kinds of, of competitions and juried shows around the country, around the world, and it just raises that whole level of appreciation, I think, for what it is to be an artist, what it is to devote that kind of time and energy and to have the family support to be able to do that. I just, uh, I applaud them. That's a, a huge risk and I just am so grateful that whatever they're doing and wherever they're doing, they keep trying. They get an award here. They don't get an award there. They will call me and say, I won an award in this show, but I didn't in another show. And I say, we have different jurors every time. We have different, um, you know, hopes for this particular exhibition. Everyone has their own preferences. But I applaud you for being an artist. I think Glenn just quoted, whether or not he did consciously, the, the National Endowment for the Arts kind of little mantra that art works. They work as artists, and it works in our lives to be very enriching. And I love that we have shows like these that encourage them to keep doing that. That was just my little soapbox, but I feel very strongly <laughs> about supporting these kinds of processes. And, and I, was, I was aware of the other side of that. So this, that was sort of the ground-up um, version. And here's the top-down version. There are, whole, there are a number of artists who um, are in lots of museum collections, exhibit all over the world, but haven't participated in an exhibition like this before, a competition like this before. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a risk for them. You know? yeah. And so... I was really happy that, I mean, I was really happy that they submitted work, and in many cases, it, uh, it was well-received and became part of the show. One thing that I don't know is, is what the reaction from the public uh, was to, you know, to some of these works that are, are less likely to be seen, um, you know? I, I can speak to that. Um, you know, when we, when we first um, showed the work to... Um, um, to correlation and, and others, um, there there was some pushback, and and they were concerned. And um, I think I think they were just, um, you know, I think they were I think they just wanted work that they were more familiar with. And and yet, the nature of a juried show is that there is a subjectivity built into it, and what what defines uh, work that people engage with uh, is is different on a case by case basis. Um, uh, so there was some pushback, there was some concern, there were some long conversations we had, there was some contextualization. Um, but I can tell you that by the opening, um, these meetings that we had that, that I thought um, maybe hadn't, I, I was a little concerned about, that at the opening, um, you know, there, there they were, um, the, the, the team from Correlation that were... Um, I would not be using hyperbole to say they were giddy, <laughs> to say how beautiful they thought the show was, how excited they were, and how lovely it looked, and how impressed they were with the quality and with the eloquence and with how eloquence of, of the, the statements and, how, and, and the groupings of how the works communicated one with another, with how they hung, and, and they, were, they really embraced it. Um, and I think... I think that was a win for um, for us and and for mainly for the artists that were there that um, could find acceptance through that process and um, and you know my my boss was showing me the other day on TripAdvisor just statements that that visitors had written about the show like I'm not a Mormon I'm not really interested in Mormons I was in town so I visited this museum and the, there was a show upstairs that was just gorgeous and just amazing um, and then another 
uh, yeah, and it was it was so encouraging to to get that kind of feedback. And there was another comment that that just raved about the show, and those were comments just posted in the last you know two weeks before we closed. Oh, wow. um, um, so I think that to me speaks to the success of the show. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's wonderful. Very I really, much. I really appreciate it. Well, the, I I mean, yeah, I, I just thought it was really lovely I, I've been to some of the previous um, shows and um, appreciated those and and I really appreciated what the works that were in the show and and kind of the direction that you took um, I'd like to hear about a piece um, that Laura would like to talk about um, like like a favorite piece from the show yeah just a work that that um, was engaging to you well, one of the works that I, I really liked um, it was by, is by an artist named Jorge Coco, um, and it's called The Call, and it's um, he's an Argentine artist, and um, and he is depicting Christ on the Sea of Galilee calling the apostles, and it it, it really I just I really responded to it. Um, I it, it, it's both figurative and has abstraction. Uh, Herman de Toy was talking about it and called it post-Cubism, which, um, I, you know, I, it feels like a made-up term. <laughs> but, but there is, you know, Coco taught in, lived in Spain for 10 years and, and then taught, I'm sorry, for six years and then lived in, in Mexico for 10. And... Um, and so he certainly has that influence of the Spanish painters like Picasso and, and Brock and among others. And, and um, so it does have this, this sort of beautiful cubist element to it. And yet um, the figures are structured enough that, that, um, that a lay uh, visitor could catch the narrative quickly. Um, and when I spoke to him about the work, he said, that he submitted, he has had always varied from his style um, and submitted representational work to the church's competition um, because of the sort of visual... Uh, tradition. Yeah, the visual tradition that, that, that he had seen. And uh, he decided to take a risk and to submit this piece. Um, and we purchased it. And in addition to the purchase... And, and this is this sort of speaks to the the what the competition can do. In addition to the purchase, we um, commissioned uh, sixteen additional paintings. Wow! Um, oh wow! Um, all on the life of Christ, and um, he finished them um, the first part of this year, and um, and and they're amazing. I mean, it's such a it's it's a great. A new collection of the life of Christ, and and told in a new visual way, and um, and they're they're really beautiful. They're interesting. Um, uh, there's there's this emotion to them that that comes both in the color and in the gesture of, of how he's doing the forms. That is quite lovely and um, and smart, I think, and. And so, um, so that uh, that ended up being one of the works ended up being on the cover of BYU Studies magazine, um, and then he was able to actually get more commissions. Um, Jack Welch, who is the editor of, of BYU Studies, commissioned him to illustrate or to, to to do paintings for a book that he's doing on Parables of Christ, um, and it's really just exploded this opportunity for Jorge. Um, and uh, you know, he said I had opened Pandora's box for him, and um, <laughs> that's that's you know that's precisely the kinds of things we want to do uh, in terms of um, encouraging artists, and then having their art help shape and change the visual culture and the visual offerings that that we we have. Yeah, what's the church going to do with the paintings that they uh, got? Um, there's an idea for a show, um, um, maybe around the same time as Borscht. 
hard to say. Um, so I'll actually know hopefully by the end of the day because we, we have a five-hour meeting today starting at noon. And this is when we decide our exhibition catalog. Um, but that, that's that's an idea. But but the uh, the other great thing is that they enter a program called Telescope, which means nothing to the audience. But what it means is that graphic designers throughout the church can pull images from that. So they could be in magazines, they could be in in manuals, they could be on the website. They can find their way into um, the larger cultural products that we offer, the larger offerings that we have. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, and I think, Laura, it's it's worth kind of ending on the note, an extension of what you said, that there have been many artists who have been introduced to the church, like, like Jorge and um, several, Walter Rain comes to mind, through the International Art Competition. It is a wonderful way of seeing artists' work and getting them into general church usage that, that we might not otherwise have. So my my commendation to the church for continuing this and to help us see some of these artists out there that we might not otherwise become acquainted with. Yeah, well, and, and that's one of the wonderful things about the show is the patronage um, that comes out of it, I think, and and then also that those images, you know, can um, start kind of shaping. I mean, they, they do. When I think about Jesus Christ and when I think about when I'm, you know, reading in the New Testament, I actually had this experience when I was, um, just after I saw the show, I was reading about um, Jesus Christ and the Mount uh, Trans- Transfiguration. And I, um, oh, I can't remember who the artist is. I, th- I think it's Rob Adamson. He did a, a work in this show that was of the Mount of Transfiguration. And it, um, right. and I, that image came to mind when I was doing my scripture study. And so I think, um, you know, images are powerful. And, and um, I appreciate that that's something that um, comes out of the show is that it gives you kind of some new references um, that can be in your mind when you're, um, you know, in Sunday school talking about something or doing your scripture study. Um, I mean, I think that imagery is a vocabulary, and, and when you have people who are taking uh, the known vocabulary in new directions, it expands what everybody uses to describe and to sense and feel. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much uh, for joining us, and um, were there any last thoughts? I know that you have another art competition coming up that you're already planning. The theme, I believe, is Meditations on Belief. Um, yeah, the next art, art competition, the 11th International Art Competition, will um, open in 2019. Um, and we'll take submissions starting in 2018, um, probably late, the later part of 2018. The exhibition will open in time for conference uh, in 2019, so probably in March. Um, and the theme is Meditations on Belief. Well, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. Well, thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to the Mormon Artist Podcast. For more episodes, please visit mormonartist.net.